0: Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslender. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on April 30th, 2023. And I do want to thank our children. You did an excellent job of leading us in worship while you worshiped. And that's one of the things that we like seeing in our church. Not only are they leading us, but they're Learning how to lead um, in the future while they worship. and that's a good thing. Hey, one of the things that always happens to me when I read the Gospels, and we've been in Luke for um, well over a year, is I've always wished that I could have been there to see these things in person. I mean, I, I would have loved to have been just part of the crowd. To see how the feeding of the 5,000 worked. That's always been one of my favorites. Especially, I would have loved to sit in the crowd and listen as Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. I would have loved to be with Jesus in the upper room um, as as he participated in the Passover meal and instituted the uh, Lord's Supper. And then again to be with the disciples when Jesus appeared after the resurrection. Today we get to a continued story of Jesus teaching in the temple, and it occurred right after, as we saw last week, right after he cleansed the temple, overturning tables, kicking out merchants to make the temple a place of prayer and a place of teaching rather than a religious marketplace. And though I wasn't there, I always appreciate those movies that do their best to imagine how it might be. This clip I'm gonna show you is from a movie that has been seen more times in the world than anybody else, any other movie that's ever been shown. It's called The Jesus Film. Watch how they imagined this story. As you can see, it was chaos, but then Jesus used the temple the way it was designed, as a place to teach people, as a place to pray, and while he was teaching, as we saw last week, because this is kind of part two of the same passage, while he was teaching, Jewish leaders came and they questioned his authority to do these things. They questioned his understanding of truth. They, they did all they could, these enemies did, to turn the crowd against him. They argued with him, and they asked ridiculous questions. They were constantly, as we will see again this week, outwitted by Jesus. Now, I told you this last week, but I want to remind you this. You're not going to win an argument against Jesus. It just isn't going to happen. You believing you could win an argument against Jesus is like me believing I could beat Devin Booker in a game of one-on-one basketball. It isn't going to happen. I could beat Jeremy. (laughs) I might be able to beat Logan if he keeps shooting three-pointers. But I'm not going to beat Devin Booker. Listen, you're not going to be able to outwit Jesus. So instead learn from him. And that's why we're spending so much time in the Gospel of Luke, because I really want you to know who Jesus is. I want you to know what he taught. He gave us the, 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 the how to live, and I want us to know that. So we're going to read of a couple of more attempts as people tried to win a point or two against Jesus. They lost, but we can learn from his response. And so our text is in Luke chapter 20, beginning with verse 20. Let's stand together and then listen as we read this. This is Luke chapter 20, beginning with verse 20. Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be sincere. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. So the spies questioned him. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right, and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their duplicity and said to them, Show me a denarius whose image and inscriptions are on it. Caesar's, they replied. And he said to them, Then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. And to God, what is God's? They were unable to trap him in what he had said there in public, and astonished by his answers, they became silent. Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother." Now, there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless, the second, and then the third married her. And in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? And Jesus replied, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all are alive. Some of the teachers of the law responded, Well said, teacher. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. Then Jesus said to them, Why is it said that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David calls him Lord, How then can he be his son? While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Now, you may be seated. They sent spies, the passage says. They sent spies who pretended to be sincere and flattered him. They pretended to ask intelligent questions and they offered praise, but all they really wanted was dirt on their enemy. Now, by the way, these people still exist, except today we call them politicians. Despite their hypocrisy, they helped us. Because their their disagreement brought out some solid biblical teaching from Jesus. And that helps us to know how to follow him. And that's what, as his people, we want to do. We want to live the way Jesus taught us to live. And so we're going to look at the questions And then we're going to look at the teaching that results from all four of these. And the first question dealt with taxes. They asked Jesus a tricky question, at least they thought so. Should we pay taxes to Caesar, to the Roman government, or not? And here's their thinking, if he said, yes, pay taxes then he would have offended all the Jews because all the Jews hated to pay taxes to a foreign government. And so they thought, eh, if if he says yes, we got him, and the people will hate him. But if he says, no, don't pay the Roman government, then we can report him to the Romans, and they will come in and arrest him. They were, as they asked these questions, they're kind of behind the scenes giving each other high fives. We got him. We got him. We got him. No matter what he says, we've got him. But Jesus outsmarted them. Hey, show me a coin. Whose picture's on that coin? And they had to answer Caesar. And then Jesus said, Then give Caesar the things that belong to Caesar, but give to God the things that belong to God. So yes, give Caesar. What is due Caesar. But greater than that, and the way he phrased it, it was clear that it was greater. Give to God what is God's. So as believers, and I want you to understand this, because sometimes we kind of rebel against this thought and think we're we're free and can do whatever we want, regardless of what the government says. As believers, we are to give to our country what we owe them. Give to our leaders respect, to pay our taxes to obey all laws unless those laws contradict a greater law of God. So we're to obey the the tax laws, the criminal laws, the civil laws, the zoning laws, the the health laws. As as believers, we are to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. uh, I've had to learn this several times in my life. I went with a group of men from my church in Mojave Valley to a men's conference promise keepers conference when they were first coming out um, and and the first big one was in Boulder Colorado. Now I was in a church in far western Arizona, and so it is a long drive in order to get from where we were in Arizona we had to go into California, then up into Nevada, then back across the the corner of Arizona, up into Utah, and then into Colorado. And we're going to do this all in one day. It was a very long day. We're driving the church van with our name of the church on it and taking turns driving. And it was my turn in Utah. So this was in the early 90s. And the national speed limit, if you remember, was still 55 miles per hour. And so I'm kind of cruising along through Utah at a speed that I'm not going to admit to. But I was going not, well, I'm not going to admit it. I was going faster than 55, and I was pulled over to the great joy of all the rest of the men in the van with me. And a very respectful Utah Highway Patrol officer pulled me over. I said, good afternoon, men. I see you're all from a church. We had our church name on the van. He said, can I ask where you're going? And I said, we're going to a men's Bible conference in Colorado. He said, that's a good thing. He knew we were Baptists. You could see it on, on the, the name of the van. The he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I go to a Mormon church And our bishop told us that the Bible says we are supposed to follow the laws of the land. (laughs) And then he said, does your pastor teach that? (laughs) All the men in the van erupted in laughter and pointed to me. And I had to admit, I'm the pastor. And then he said, Pastor, since you're taking your men to a Bible conference, maybe you ought to obey the Bible on the way. (laughs) Have a good day, gentlemen. No ticket, no warning, but I will guarantee I heard from those men for the next 10 years. (laughs) And so I learned a lesson from a Mormon highway patrol officer a reminder. The Bible teaches we are to follow the laws of the land. It was a good reminder. And as believers, we need to remember that, to give to the government what the government is supposed to get, honor, respect, obedience. But Jesus also made it clear, but our first honor and respect and obedience. Is to God above all else. And sometimes as believers and sometimes as churches, we act like we don't have to follow it because we're followers of God. No, as followers of God, we also follow the laws of the land. So what about taxes? Yeah, give to Caesar what is due Caesar, but give to God. And the second is more important. Our allegiance to God is and always will be more important Than our allegiance to the United States of America. And so that was the first question. And the next issue that came up as they kept trying to find something in Jesus was the question of the the resurrection. Now, honestly, this was kind of a crazy and very hypocritical question. It was asked by a Sadducee who does not believe in any kind of resurrection. The Sadducees follow God in this life. When you're dead, you're dead. That's the end of your existence. But they asked a question about the resurrection. If a a woman was married to seven brothers, whose wife will she be in heaven? Now, understand, they weren't looking for an answer. It was kind of a stock Sadducee question that was designed to split the crowd. And again, they thought, no matter what Jesus says, he's going to offend half the people. If he says you're wrong because there is no resurrection, then he was going to offend all the Pharisees who probably made up the majority. But if he said something about the resurrection, then he was going to offend the Sadducees who were more or less in positions of leadership in the Jewish Sanhedrin. So again, this was a got you question. Jesus did what he always did, he told the truth. And then he corrected both sides. Yes, there is a resurrection, but it's a little different than you suppose. Things in heaven will be different. We will be like angels. And then Jesus went on to use the Bible to prove his point. He said, God is called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. But says, God is the God of the living and not the dead dead. Even you all must know that there is a resurrection. And so the truth is something, and I know this is basic Christian doctrine, but it's something that we need to be reminded of. There is a resurrection. At our death or at the return of Jesus, whichever comes first, believers will be resurrected and we will begin eternal life. Life without end. We will experience life with no decay, with no growing old, with no cancer, with no heart disease, with no dementia, with no war, with no hatred, with no racism, with no anger, without any fear of addiction, and no more temptations. It will be different, Jesus said, because we've never been in a perfect world, but it will be beautiful. And it will be real. As I've often told you, and I told my Wednesday night class again, don't think of heaven as a bunch of ghosts hanging out on a cloud. It'll be a real place. It'll be a real place. With all the good and the joy and the love and the laughter and the life of earth. But without any of the pain. Any of the misery. We will all be forever in the prime of life. And I look forward to that. I'm a little bit past the prime of life. I've lost hair color. I've put on pounds. I don't have the muscle ability that I used to. I groan when I get up and sometimes even when I sit down. I think my hearing is going a little wonky. So If you have a high-pitched voice and you talk to me, maybe I'm ignoring you. Maybe I just didn't hear you. I mean, things change as you get old. But in heaven, once again, we will be in the prime of life. It's real. It's real. And as believers, we need to remind ourselves. Because life on this earth often gets tough. And we have issues and challenges and hard days and hard months and hard years. But this is not all there is, Jesus said. It'll be different. But it'll be real. And so, taxes give to Caesar, but give to God. Resurrection, yes, there will be, but it'll be different than anything we've ever experienced. And then that kind of shut up the crowd. They they saw that Jesus was smarter than they were, he knew the Bible better than they did, he was able to explain better than they were. And so, Jesus himself brings up the next issue, and it's about the Messiah. The Bible says, he told them, that the Messiah is David's son, but David himself calls him Lord. So how can the Messiah be both David's son and David's Lord? Those of you that have sons, do you call your sons Lord? Daniel, is it Lord Malachi? Noah, is it Lord Everett? You got three lords, and Wyatt, and Arkin. Yeah, they like to think so, but I don't think I've ever heard that from you. So you're sitting next to your Lord, A.J. here, right? Yeah. Abram, okay, I'm sorry, yeah, you've grown up now, and you're the boss. No, you're not. No, you're not. You just think you are. You understand his argument. Listen, if the Messiah is David's son, but David called him Lord, what is the answer? Jesus is both. He is a descendant, a son of David, but he is also the Son of God. And again, you see what Jesus is doing, he's teaching basic Christian. Doctrine. Unlike any other person who ever lived, Jesus is both man and God. Like God, he always existed. Like man, he was born from a woman. And we call that the incarnation God becoming a man. And so once they stopped asking questions, Jesus took them to the next step. There's some things that I want you to understand. This is during. Holy Week, the last earthly week of Jesus's life before he was crucified, and he wanted to make sure they understood some things, and so that we today understand who he is and how he wants us to live. And then the fourth thing that he did to them and to us, this was aimed at the Jewish leaders themselves, but it's also aimed directly at church people and especially church leaders today. Jesus gave them a strong warning. So if you are a church leader in any way, or if you go to church, or you're watching online, if you're here and you're listening, then you need to pay particular attention to this. Because what Jesus pointed out was a sin that really only occurs among church people and church leaders, the sin of hypocrisy. And Jesus gave a very strong warning against it. Let me read that passage I read earlier from a paraphrase. It's called The Message. With everybody listening, Jesus spoke to his disciples. Watch out for religious scholars. They love to walk around in academic gowns, preen in the radiance of public flattery, bask in prominent positions, sit at the head table of every church function. And all the time they are exploiting the weak and the helpless. The longer the prayers, the worse they get. But they'll pay for it in the end. Jesus was making a very strong warning to religious people, warning about hypocrisy. And so you and I need to take this warning personally and also watch out for others around us who appear to be super spiritual. He said, listen, hypocrites love to be seen as leaders. They love public flattery. They love to go to religious events and be recognized as someone. They love the flowing robes, or in our day, the high-priced suits and the fancy dresses and shoes. But you can tell they're hypocrites, Jesus said, in two ways. They take advantage of widows. Listen, any religion that doesn't care about the weak, about widows, about children, about the poor, any religion that ignores the needy people among us is a false religion. And so Jesus warned, hey, they, they love to be the super spiritual guy in charge. When they have a chance, they'll take even the home of a widow, and find legal justification for doing so. And they know how to pray like no one else. But their prayers are nothing but showy words. And Jesus said they will get their punishment. So listen to me, believers. We need to be smarter. We need to be smarter about church leadership. One of the reasons there are so many public failures in church life is that we put the wrong people into leadership. We chose those who look good, who preach well, who sing fantastically. But too many times we haven't done due diligence to make sure they really are good and God's people. We have to be smarter about that, looking not just for talent, but for character and godliness and be willing to ask the tough questions. We need to be smarter about church leadership. We also need to be smarter about politicians. Listen, just because they use God's name or quote the Bible or talk about prayer doesn't mean That they're real do they help the poor do they care for people do they live godly lives there's much more to it than their political position on issues we agree with we need to be smarter about politicians but especially according to Jesus we need to be smarter about ourselves have we set the bar high enough in our own lives are we more than churchgoers? Are we real disciples? Are we living a life shows we care for the widows, the orphans, the seniors, the sick, the hurting, the dying, the hungry, those with special needs, those who are homeless? Because any religion that ignores those things and any disciple that ignores those things is hypocritical. And so we need to take a good, hard look at me. How am I living? Because after all was said and done, and everybody tried to trick Jesus and he was done, he looked us in the eye. Hey, religious leaders. Hey, church leaders. Hey, Jewish Sanhedrin. Hey, Sadducees, Pharisees, and Baptists. What about you? What about us? So what is your response? And we covered in quick fashion a lot of topics today. What is it that Jesus wants us to do as we learn from him and as we focus on and as we respond to him? I want to give you four things that will help you live a Christian life based on this passage. Number one, as you focus on responding to Jesus, obey and respect the government in all things, unless what they tell you to do is in clear contradiction to God's word. Obey and respect the government. There are a lot of people in government that we don't agree with. We still honor and respect them. There are a lot of people in government who don't have the same values that we do we're still to honor and respect them and we're to obey the laws of the government even when we think they may be wrong unless they're in clear contradiction to god's word if they give us zoning laws we'll follow them if they tell us to stop preaching the gospel we'll defy them because preaching the gospel and making disciples is clearly biblical. Having a safe building is a right of government. So obey, respect, honor the government in all things, unless it's in contradiction to God. And then obey God in all things. There is no exception to obeying God. We don't have the right to pick and choose. We obey God. Number two. Live like you believe in the resurrection. Live like you believe in the resurrection. I know you're looking at, what does he mean by that? For believers in Jesus, it's not YOLO. You only live once. I mean, Sometimes that's how people live. You only live once, and so they do stupid things because they got to try everything one time. For us, we're not going to only live once. We get, not the sandwich, BLT, Believers Live Twice. So there are things that I'll never get around to, my bucket list for earth. But I'll have a million years to get around to all the good things in heaven. And so I'm going to use this time, this life, not for me because I only live once, but for Jesus. Because I'm going to live forever. Forever. And make sure you get your doctrine right. I'm not going to live forever because I'm a good man. I'm going to live forever because I put my faith and trust in Jesus. So believers live twice. It's not live once and do everything. Number three, make your decision. That's what Jesus was challenging them to do. Is Jesus the Christ, the Messiah? And is he the son of God? The Jews were having a hard time getting their mind around it. Jesus made it clear. Yes, I'm a man, and you're seeing me here in my physical being, but I'm also God. And and you and I have to make that decision. There is no salvation for anyone who just sees Jesus as a man. What we're called to believe in is that he is the Son of God, that he was there at the creation when, in the beginning, God included Jesus. And he came and he lived on earth and he died after living a perfect life. He was crucified on the cross. He rose again on the third day and he's alive today. And he's calling us to believe in him. Every single human being needs to make that decision. What do they believe about that? And number four, you and I are called upon to avoid hypocrisy at all costs. And the only way to do that The only way to avoid hypocrisy is to either be all in or all out. If you're sort of kind of a Christian, then by definition you're a hypocrite. And so we're called to get out of the middle of the road, to get off the fence, to make our decision and choose either I'm all in following Jesus or I'm all out. Because if I'm anywhere in the middle, I'm in danger of the ones that Jesus was talking about. And so if you're all in, you believe in Jesus, you worship Jesus, you serve Jesus, you love like Jesus, you help people like Jesus, you're either all in or you're all out. So he kind of put the ball in our court. I know I'm using a lot of cliches. but we got to make a decision. Do we believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And if the answer is yes, then we need to be all in all the way. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net, and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.